Uh, normally, I start off these episodes with music to set the scene, and I do my intro and everything. But I just saw a tweet that said that the Proud Family, louder and prouder, has surpassed the original Proud Family. And I just, I don't know any other way to start this. But just know that I have time today, and we're going to talk about it respectfully. Respectfully. We're going to have a, a, a great discourse about this. And also, I'm going to have some smoke for Growners getting to season five. And we're going to talk about some TV that I do like. So stay tuned. What? You and me will always be You're listening to Pulse Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the host of Pulse Radio, in the building for another special edition of Pulse Radio on today. And maybe I shouldn't have played uh, this Proud Family rendition. I should have played I Got Time today because we got to talk about the Proud Family louder and prouder. Because y'all are taking it too far. I, I want to let y'all have y'all fun. I know that I watch TV differently than everyone else, but y'all have taken this way too far on today. The Proud Family has been out for three weeks. And I see people, multiple people that are espousing the praises of this show. And they're saying that the Proud Family louder and prouder is better than the original Proud Family. And I just can't. because, And I have to say something. Because if I told y'all how I really feel about Bel Air, which is that maybe Bel Air is a little bit better than the Fresh Prince was, I would get crucified. If if I said that, I'm not directly saying that, but I, I, I'm not glad like I haven't thought it. <laughs> so I'm not joking. I'm not gonna let y'all do that to the original Proud Family, man. I'm not gonna let y'all do that. But hope all is well. Hope everyone is having an amazing week. And everything is cool. Copacetic. Spring is coming up. It's still dreary where I'm at, though. It's, it's rainy. All right. So I'm in Georgia, so it, we're used to it. it. It'll rain at one point. Then about, about, about four o'clock, it's sunny. So that's just how it is. But I feel like I'm seeing this same level of discourse, like how the sun and the rain clouds pop up in Georgia. It's the same type of discourse on Twitter when it comes to the Proud family. Twitter was not around when the original Proud Family was around. So the discourse was often kept between kids, you know, and um, the Proud Family was a huge show for its time, but it wasn't a cultural moment the way that it is now. I would venture to believe that with the promotion that it's gotten and also the fanfare that the Proud Family has gotten throughout the years that it's been off air, I believe that The Proud Family is definitively a bigger show than what it was when it first premiered on Disney Channel back in 2001. And a lot of folks don't know that The Proud Family was initially supposed to be on Nickelodeon. But the reason why Nickelodeon missed the bag and they could have just dominated the whole entire early 2000s, they could have had SpongeBob, Fairly Odd Parents, and The Proud Family. The reason why they didn't get The Proud Family is because they were doing a reboot on Susie's family called the Carmichaels and they didn't want to have two black families. And that's a real story. Go, go look it up. The Carmichaels never made it to air. 
Disney gobbled up the Proud family and they've now brought back the Proud family and they're making money and getting subscribers to Disney Plus off of the Proud family now. So Disney won the war against Viacom because y'all y'all are tripping, not getting the Proud family. It was a gym. But my whole entire thing is that I'm a fan of the Proud family. I've been a fan my whole entire life, really. Like, I'm telling you, Moesha, Proud family. You can't stop those. And I just cannot stand for y'all saying that this reboot, this revival has suppressed the Proud family, the original one. I just, I, I can't let that happen. But I have to give a shout out. I got to give two shout outs. We're going to talk about this latest episode, but I got to shout out Team North. All right. So the ad name for this person is BB Team North on Twitter. They listened to my Proud family review of the first two episodes because I didn't post one last week and they listened to it. They found it on Twitter. They disagree with a lot of what I said, but they said I was very thorough. So thank you so much to Team North, BB Team North. Thank you so much. I try. I don't want to be negative. My goal is not to be negative for the sake of being negative. I'm not Skip Bayless. I just want to bring up a different viewpoint because like I said, I realize I watch TV differently than everyone else. But thank you to BBT North for listening to my argument and disagreeing, but understanding where I'm coming from and then saying I handled it thoroughly and then hoping that it gets better for me. And it, and it did. Episode four was better. And I'll explain why in a second. But I have to respond to this one tweet that I saw. And it's going to be sort of the impetus of this whole entire podcast. So people are thinking that the Proud family, louder and prouder, is better than the original Proud family. And I saw this from this user on Twitter, consumer of tunes. Shout out to them. Hand claps for them. No beef. I just have to respond respectfully. No beef. Shout out to them. But they said four episodes and Proud Family Louder and Prouder is a rare breed. It's a reboot that surpasses the original. Its familiar roots are left pristine, but it explores concepts that the original couldn't because of its short and gives much needed development to the recesses. Very well stated, I must say. Very well stated, but wrong. We can't do this. Y'all like the concept of the Proud Family. Y'all like what the Proud Family represents and not this Proud Family series. That is the problem. This is my problem with the discourse about the Proud Family on social media is that you like the idea, not the execution. And it shows. You can't tell me that if the Proud Family tackled this topic in the original run that they would not have done it better. You can't tell me that. Because they, they've tackled homosexuality before. They, they've given love to the LGBTQ community before. That's number one. The Proud family of the original run was better written because I believe that they were writing to write. I think that now they're writing to say, hey, we're going to make this statement. Because they feel as if we have to make this statement. In the original Proud Family, there were statements that were made. They were There were lessons that were the undertones. But it was just a, a typical Disney show. It didn't reach like cultural phenomenon status until, the, until it was over. We all liked the Proud Family. But literally the Proud Family, like it became such a cultural moment that they've rebooted the show. When I read what the creator of the Proud Family said about the Proud Family louder and prouder, it just sounded like he was trying to make a statement. It sounded like he was trying to say, hey, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to say something. But the original Proud Family was just fun. It was a fun show. One of my favorite episodes was when, in the original show, was when Michael was getting bullied. And he turned into a monster <laughs> because they were bullying him so much. 
And Michael being a monster was just him sort of being upset that no one could accept him. The name of that episode that I'm referring to is Who You Calling a Sissy? And that was the episode when Michael started to turn into a monster and started to go after the people that would, that would call him a sissy and that were talking about him and the way he carried himself. And Penny, just like in this episode four, was defending Michael. And, and I think that this episode of The Proud Family about Maya and KG's dads and their modern day family, I think that they used this episode and also the rumors episode as well, a little bit of that when Penny got caught in the closet because La Cienega pushed her in there and locked the doors up. But if you notice in that original show, the locks were gone. <laughs> she could have got out the whole time. But they used a little bit of that to sprinkle into this. I do like that they are sort of trying to make new age versions of the original episodes that fit this time. And I like this episode because it was funny. It was, it was hilarious. I'm not going to lie to you. I laughed a lot this episode. Um, some of the stuff Sugar Mama said, um, Oscar's hijinks were sort of funny. The one that got me, though, was when at the end of the episode, uh, Nubia and the Gross Sisters have KG and Maya hemmed up. And then Penny walks up and says, y'all just bullying them because they got two dads. And then Nubia said, I'm not just, I'm not bullying them because they got two dads. I'm bullying them because they got two dads with money. And I was like, what? And I was like, y'all got y'all one. Y'all did that. I must admit, y'all did that. That was fun. Y'all got y'all one. I I I hollered, man. I, I I really laughed at that one. That was hilarious because it was like, man, I'm not discriminating. I'm I'm yep, equal opportunity. How I do my thing, man. That, that's that's what that's what Newby said. That was hilarious. I will say also that the writing was better on this one because all I want from this proud family is for it to have a realistic structure. I think that the structure that the Proud family was forced to, uh, to act in because of the commercials on Disney Channel, I feel as if it was perfect for this show because it was a great way to flush out the story. You got a good three acts in that 30-minute time span. You got a code open. You got the theme song. You have that first act where the problem is presented and some hijinks happens. You have that second act where the, where the problem is getting figured out. And then towards the end of that second act, they start to sort of come to an amendment of the problem. And then you have that third act where typically towards the end, Oscar gets into a situation where he gets blown up, eaten. Something happens with Oscar that is insane. I thought that that was really cool and, and really dope that they they didn't mirror it because it's a streaming show. They didn't mirror that that process of how they did the show. But it was clear. It was a clear problem at the beginning and it was funny at the beginning with Felix now being introduced and Oscar trying to open, you know, an amusement park and, you know, the whole entire thing after the theme song, which I skipped because I don't like the theme song still. You got La Cienega's mom, Sunset, like she's coming down and she, and she's looking amazing. And, and Oscar has his funny moments looking at her like, Oh my gosh, she looks so good. And then Felix is like, what are you going dressed like that? And then, you know, you see KG and Maya's dad and we found out KG and Maya's dad works with Sunset at the police station. He's a police officer. You know, so you you see that. And then you see later on in the episode that their other dad, which is named Randall, and, and I, I find it interesting, like how in these, these TV shows, every character at a Disney show for some reason is named Randall. Recess, Monsters, Inc., now Proud Fan, Louder and Prouder. Y'all love the name Randall, man. So shout out to all the Randalls in the world. Because I am definitely Randall. Shout out to all y'all, man. But we see... These two characters, they have jobs, occupations, they have 
They had scenes where they actually talked and they interacted with each other. They had a scene with Oscar where they kissed it in, in the bank. Like it was a lot of different ways that the dads were characterized. Even KG to a point voiced by a boogie was characterized. And while I like what they touched on, they touched on adoption. They touched on people talking too much, social media spreading just gossip and, 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 and stuff that hurts people and how social media can hurt people. They didn't dwell on that, but I think that this episode tackled it more through DeJanae than what episode two did when Penny became an influencer and started canceling everybody. But who is Maya? Maya's Kiki Palmer. Tell me one thing that you know about Maya and don't read articles. Look at what you've been presented these four episodes. We're almost five episodes into what I believe is a 10 episode season. Tell me what you know about Maya, that she's pro-black because she reads books that are, that are sort of like pro-black and shows that she's woke and progressive. That's the only thing you really can gather because she makes no sense. She doesn't like Penny and hopefully that'll change this episode, but she doesn't like Penny because she thinks Penny is superficial. So the third episode, she decides to hang with La Cienega, who is literally the example of being superficial. And then La Cienega in this episode ditched her. And even in an episode that was centered around KG and Maya, we still don't know who Maya is. We know that she, yes, yeah, she broke into the zoo to save the panda voiced by CeeLo Green that didn't need saving. Great. And then Penny finally stood up to her after Penny was kissing her ass the whole first episode. Second episode, she's Penny's four when she admits that Oscar was out here taking money and bribes so the Wizards' businesses don't get targeted by Penny. And she exposed it. But she has no personality. La Cienega is vain. Dijanae is sort of sneaky and a gossiper. Zoe's nerdy. Michael is is eccentric. He speaks his mind. And honestly, Michael has like, the, like Michael's brave. Like Michael is the one that really rides with Penny the most in this series so far. Who's Maya? At the very least, we know KG is your modern day guy. At least there's there's satire of the modern day guy. You know, all the girls sort of want him. At least the girls like Dijanae and, and Olay, <laughs> you know, like want KG. And he plays his game, stays to himself. We at the very least have a little bit of, of a characterization of them. We have a characterization of the twins at this point. But Maya is someone that is just around. I mean, was Kiki busy? Because I know Kiki Palmer has a lot going on. So is Kiki busy? Does she have stuff going on when she couldn't fully voice fully voice the character? Maybe y'all, if, if Kiki had a lot going on, because Kiki busy. Because I saw an Instagram where Kiki locked herself out of her house and she had like a, a voiceover work to do and she had to drive to work with no shoes on. And and I believe Kiki would do that. Like like, like Kiki a real one. She would do that. And I and that was that was what was up. I saw that was funny. I laughed for real at that. But like Kiki busy. Like Kiki is, is literally going out the house and she's like, man, like I locked my keys in the house, but forget it. I got to go film this. I got to go do this voiceover for this other show. So, I mean, if Kiki. Kiki too busy. You could have got another another actress or or someone to play that character. You could have maybe just added in KG and made it where he was the central focus or something along those lines. And you could have maybe more story with that. But Maya is pointless. Maya is Ryan Destiny and Gronish. That is what she is. Ryan Destiny was a huge name that Gronish brought in. They gave her an interesting character premise but they did nothing with her. And then Ryan Destiny's character and Ryan Destiny herself just disappeared from the show. That is what Maya is. Maya is someone in theory that worked. I really liked it because I, I wanted really Kiki Palmer to have been a part of the original because Kiki was a star back then. 
but she doesn't make sense now. And we're in episode four and no one can tell me who she is. They lean so much into comedy in this series when it was comedic back then, but it was a purpose and a story back then. Like my favorite episode was the thingy episode and the thingy episode was legitimately funny. But the whole entire point of the episode was that Penny made an assumption. And we know the saying about an assumption. If you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. That was the whole entire point of that episode. But it was a story that was fleshed out. It wasn't just Oscar getting beat around a lot. He had moments he was beaten up. He had sneak in the lock, got hit by, by a truck. And then Penny finessed Arnold Schwarzenegger um, character and got on the lot and then saw them really cozy with each other. And then they built up the animosity Penny had towards the woman. And then the whole entire thingy thing where like she said that 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 uh, she had chicken pox and tried, tried to run the woman away. And then like the whole entire surprise was that Trudy was introduced to Oscar by the woman. Like, that was convincing. It was a great story. The story was built up. Like, you know, Sticky and Dijonay came through and they spied on her. It was different layers of the story that built up the anticipation of what was going to happen at the end. That you had the moment where the babies jumped on them, all that different stuff. It was legitimately hilarious. And then all the hijinks of him dressing up as thingy. It was funny, but it was a purpose that you can't assume and your assumptions could cause a lot of problems for people. And Penny was disrespectful and she got punished. It was a lot of just story behind that comedy. With this one, you took like, what, 10, 12 minutes of a 20-minute show showing Oscar trying to create this amusement park and trying to convince Felix to loan him money and then Oscar going crazy over Sunset. And then Oscar had his whole scene where he was ignorant about Penny hanging around KG and Maya and they're two and because they have two dads. And then that what that 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 filled up half the episode. Then we go and then he meets the dads and meets the one guy. He and that, that part was funny when he, he was like, I saw like my brother, and he tried to be super black to get that loan. That was funny, and that really happens. And maybe, maybe the kids watch and see that my dad probably does that. <laughs> my mom probably, hey, come on, come on, man. We both black people here. Like they, they do that for real. <laughs> And Tommy Davidson is doing a great job in the voice acting role, but Oscar's like SpongeBob at this point. Like you just put in Oscar and Hodgins and saying, boom, the proud family. Penny was more of herself this episode and she was herself last episode, but Penny is very headstrong. She's her own person and she stands for what's right. Penny was naive. She was your typical teenager. She was boy crazy, but that was one thing that was always the fact about Penny. Penny walked, walked her own way. She stood up for herself. She was slightly impressionable. She was crazy about boys, but you were not going to come at her crazy and she was going to stand up to you. And she always stood for what was right. That was always Penny's ethos. And that was followed through perfectly here. But it's almost as if Penny is a side character to Oscar's hijinks and she's just the butler for Maya. Like I would like Sugar Mama in the, the episode of Star Scorned she first admitted that she never liked Dijonay. She said that she never liked that Dijon girl. She's faking in your fake friends. I would love for Sugar Mama to have a statement about Maya because Maya has consistently treated Penny wrong. And maybe they characterize Maya the right way now and at the very least make it where Maya actually 
enjoys Penny now. Penny went out of her way to make sure Maya was straight after that whole entire ordeal with how the school turned on the, on, on her and KG because she had two dads. Penny is a redeemable character that her and Maya should be best friends. And if they, if, if they really want to save this series, they could make that happen where now Penny and Maya are cool. Because it just didn't make sense that they weren't. Because Penny and Maya would really be best friends because they have the same sensibilities. But that's not talked about. That's not teased. That's the problem with this show. The charm is gone. The way they write this show does it not make sense. Y'all like the concept of the Proud Family and not this reboot. Y'all like the concept that they're going to touch on homophobia. They're going to touch on issues that are pertinent to this time. But y'all want the boondocks, I feel like. Y'all don't really want the Proud Family. Because the Proud Family at its core was, was a family show that confronted issues, but a story was told. Y'all don't, don't want the Proud Family as it was. Y'all want the Proud Family in a reboot in 2020 to have these satire. Proud Family was satire, but it, it, was, it wasn't boondock satire. Like what this Proud Family is trying to be is the boondocks light. It's trying to be the boondocks for kids. Even though kids used to watch the Boondocks, and I was one of the kids that watched it, but that's what y'all trying to make it. And that is what's killing it. And that's what I go back to in responding to that Twitter user, is that you like what the Proud family represents, not the Proud family itself. Because you're saying, oh, the he, he also said the characters, like the, the, the characters, they, they, uh, they're dynamic, and it's very Simpsons-esque. The characters are flat at points. The only reason why we have, we enjoy the characters that we have is because of the fact that they're characters from the reboot of a show that we like. So you have the original show to remember Oscar acted this way. Trudy acted this way. Although we barely see Trudy. Like, you know, Dijanae acts this way. La Cienega is normally very selfish as we saw in the opening of the show. Typically that's, that's what La Cienega is. But you don't really like the show because t tell me that I want somebody to tell me and if we can do a versus me, I might bring somebody on to do a versus. I want you to pick five to 10. When, when, once we get there with the proud family, I want you to pick five to 10 episodes of the original proud family that pale in comparison to this version of the proud family. I will go against anybody because bro, y'all can't do that. Y'all are liking the shiny new thing. That's what y'all like. And it's making me sick. We can't do this. They've not written Maya well. The episodes have not been written well. They've made Penny do whatever they want to her to do to fit the story. And now Penny has finally stepped up in the role that she was in in the original show of standing up for what's right and resisting what's wrong. Dijanae was who she was because Dijanae would have spread a rumor like that. She would have done that. And y'all have a good episode, but four episodes in, y'all are saying this? Four episodes in? I can't with y'all. We're not even at, at the we're not even at mid season yet. Th this show hasn't been on for a month. It hasn't been on Disney Plus for a month, and y'all like, oh, this this better than the original. Three seasons of character development, of Bla the Black History Month episode, of a star is scoring about not switching up once you make it, or, or that boot camp, camp episode of appreciating what you have. The, the 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 Kwanzaa episode. They talked about Kwanzaa. We 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 are pro black in this era, and I love it. I love to see that we're pro-black in this era. But you're telling me that these four episodes beat that Kwanzaa episode. Are you kidding me? Like, y'all can't be serious right now.
Proud family was always progressive. Once again, you had Penny playing football, and they even did a court case where they went to court over Penny playing football. And then the, the 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 judge ruled in Penny's favor, and Penny was able to be on the team. And then the coach made it where Penny couldn't play. And then Penny plays, and she starts beating the boys. Like this was an example of progressivism in 2003. That's what it was. And y'all are neglecting that because they're talking about issues more more fervently than they would have in 2005. I like what this episode stood for. I believe that we should be tolerant of of, of everyone's beliefs and who they are. I believe that to, to, to the core of my being and what the students were doing at that school was very ignorant. And that's very reminiscent of how people would be now because people are innately ignorant. I love what this, this episode stands for. And that is why episode four is the best episode of the series thus far. But at the same time, bro, this episode pales in comparison to the Kwanzaa episode. This episode pales in comparison to the one where, where Mike was getting called a sissy and he turned to a monster. Y'all have recency bias and it shows. I, I would be, I would feel a little bit better if y'all let the season play out and y'all said, okay, this, this is better. I would still disagree, but I'd be like, okay. But we won't even know how the rest of the episodes are going to be. We haven't even seen Lil Nas X yet. <laughs> like, we ain't seen Lil Nas X yet. And, and y'all said, this is the best one. Oh, dude, this is so much better. Like, we can we get to that episode? Because I want to see what they're going to do with Lil Nas X <laughs> at this point. Like, y'all can't be serious. This, even as a standalone series, this wouldn't work. And clearly the best reboot right now is Bel Air or Revival, whatever you want to call it. Bel Air is it. But y'all don't like Bel Air. Oh, it's so different from the original. The Proud Family's whole vibe is different. And the animation style, I really don't like the animation style. I really don't like it. The animation is so stiff. Does it look good? Yes, it does. But the animation is so stiff and lifeless. It's so stiff. Like they showed, um, cause they didn't another, another allusion to the original series. They did it last time with, with, with Oscar missing that shot against the wizards team. And then it clanked off the rim and it went through the net, uh, on, on the wizard side and the wizard became who he, he was. And by the way, that, that can't be Aries Spears. That's a different actor for the wizard. They should have had that same voice, but I digress. And I will figure that out, but I, I digress, but they showed, when Lysa Yeniga was getting cracked on by Michael and them because she had big feet and they, they figured it out in that one episode. That was a funny episode and that was an episode about accepting your flaws and accepting who you are. Tell me that that this episode is better than that episode. See, please tell me that. If you look at that scene, because they showed in totality that whole entire thing of Michael saying what he said, look his flipper, and then like how they how she ran out of shame. And they even had, had, a, had a point where Lysa Yeniga had a thought bubble of her looking at the original series in her mind and then where she's at now, tell me that that the the animation wasn't more life wasn't more life like it had more life to it back in the day than it is now. It looks better, but it was bounced to those characters, and that sort of hurts the story because the emotion. It's almost it's almost like I'm reading an audiobook. Point <laughs> I'm I'm listening to to a play. I'm listening to a podcast when I'm watching The Proud Family because the characters barely move at that point. They barely do anything. Uh, the only only character that's moving is Oscar because Oscar's getting beat up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's why I said that it seemed as if these character designs and whoever designed the characters, like they did it on YouTube. It's almost like the like Disney Plus was like, you know what? We see this Proud Family reboot on YouTube. Let's bring it over to Disney Plus because that's our property anyway. That's what it seems like. It's almost like I'm not trying to disfocus on YouTube. Because they did a good job holding down the Proud family for all those years and just giving us that, like, you know, their interpretations of what the Proud family would be now. 
They did. They held that. They held it down. And did a great job with that. But I'm expecting more when you have a budget for this. Because the folks on YouTube don't have a budget. Y'all have a budget for this. I I don't get. I've seen cartoons recently that have more bounce to them that just feel like hey like i feel the character the character's walking the character's upset i feel it like like there's more to that animation that this one just doesn't provide but y'all are saying this is better than the original proud family and then even in the response that was given to me by this twitter user even even in the response i'm gonna read his response because i said this on twitter immediately i said I didn't read what I thought I just read. This surpassed the original. Y'all are tripping on this bird app, man. And then Consumer of Toon said, I like the original just fine. But I think the reboot takes all the pros of the original series and amplifies them. The, the pros of them tackling issues? What what pros? Like You've seen four episodes in three weeks. What, like, unless you are an insider and you tell me that, that because for example, like the character Felix just came back. Sunset just came back. Peebo just came back last episode. The wizard hasn't even really been visible, and the wizard was pretty visible in those first few episodes. Wizard, we just saw Wizard Jr. We haven't even seen the totality of the rest of the regular characters yet. But oh, the pros. Bro, the pro the only pro you can give me is that they're tackling more progressive issues. And that's great. But the show itself, no. It, it needs to be better. I don't even like the way that they started the show th th this week. Although I did like this episode, like the whole, like we knew that the episode was coming on. It had a style, it had a musical tone to it. Like you know how how, how it would start. It'd be like dun 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 dun, and then they start the episode. Like and then like they would sort of set the they would sort of give you the setting of like where they're at, the house they're at. Like it just all of a sudden came on, and then Felix is there talking to Oscar. And Oscar is in the garage. And I'm like, this is just so that just happened. Like it was, it led you in for by and large. And this will transition me out of the proud family to talk about these other shows. But I feel as if TV and streaming service shows have been very fast paced. Has anyone noticed that, that these shows have been super fast paced and they just speed through. Has anybody else noticed that, that like you're watching the show and they cover so much in one episode. Or like, let's say it's a character that's having a breakdown, like Carlton in, 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 in Bel Air. Like, they don't give Carlton the time to emote and the time for us to see the emotion from Carlton. They just turn that breakdown into a montage and then just speed on to the next scene. You don't really get to have the gravity of KG's words talking about we're adopted. And you don't get a chance to really feel the sting of the words because they're rushing trying to get the story back going. That's not just the Proud Family Louder and Prouder. Maybe it's the way that I watch TV. But I feel as if in older shows, especially Proud Family is a perfect example, and Moesha, like you had an episode, the episode fleshed itself out, and that was that. And then it wasn't, it wasn't, you weren't speeding through. Maybe it's because these networks, they're not giving these creators full seasons. Like they're not giving them, okay, I'm gonna give you a 20 episode season. I'm gonna let the Proud Family run for 35 episodes in season two. They're, I feel as if like they're not letting that occur anymore. They're saying you have 10 episodes and 10 episodes only. And that sort of stifles the writer where it's like, okay, we have a lot we want to do, so let me jam-pack this in because I don't know if this will get rebooted. So let me jam-pack all of this in because this is what I want the audience to get. I don't really like that about TV right now. I, it, it makes it sort of unenjoyable. 
But overall, all I want to say is that if y'all y'all think within four episodes, these four episodes are the best that Proud Family Louder and Product can do to beat the original Proud Family. Y'all didn't really like Proud Family. Y'all only like what this show stands for. That's really it. I mean, I, I don't, I just don't understand. Like the Proud Family, the original Proud Family, it was a, no one, no one was original. It was not a show like it that was on the air. It had a comedy, but also the comedy never truncated the story. At the end of the episode, it was always like just a resolution to the story, and it was always a lesson. And then you had that moments, the moments where Oscar got beat up by Sugar Mama, and Oscar had had those moments where you know he 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 would he would go crazy and do something like, and then it was running troops that they had and running gags that they had with Peebo and Oscar and how he views uh, Penny having a boyfriend, all these different things that they had in the original show, and it was fleshed out. They they slow cooked it, they slow walked it, and it made sense. It was positive. It gave you a good feeling. This proud family is trying to be the boondocks, literally, in the reverence of, of Uncle Ruckus in episode two by Maya. And I don't like it. I enjoyed this episode more. So shout out to BB Team North. I did enjoy this episode a little bit more. And hopefully this episode is a sign of what's to come, but I'm not optimistic. If you want me to rate this episode, man, I will give it a, a six out of 10. Six, and I know I'm going to two, two rates, six to 6.5. It could it could have been better, but this was better than the threes because that second episode was a zero for me. I hate that episode. The first episode was a four. The third episode was a five. So y'all are getting better. Hopefully, I'll get a seven next week. But let me talk about the original show that I hate. <laughs> Gronish has a season five coming up. Um, season four is happening right now. And the characters are graduating. So I sort of thought that with the characters graduating in Gronish, that that would sort of be the conclusion of the show. Kenya Barris has been left ABC. They're ending Blackish, number one. They canceled Mixedish, and I'm not heard anything about the spinoff that they wanted to do with Ruby and Pops or Jennifer Freeman and Lawrence Fishburne. I haven't heard a lot about that. Now, I think that they're probably still going to do it because if y'all giving Gronish a new season, I'm pretty sure y'all going to greenlight that show. But they're ending Blackish after eight seasons, but Gronish, which is declined in ratings, gets a season five. I don't understand it, but I do. I'm gonna tell you why I don't understand it. I don't understand how these writers can say, hey, we have more story to tell. When y'all are rehashing the same love triangle with Luca, Zoe, and Aaron all over again, and then y'all have given Doug a love triangle with Kiela um um scott with jazz not scott jazz and doug i just get them mixed up like y'all just rehashing the same story over and over and over again and then on top of that zoe's story arc is minor she had a prominent story this past episode because it was sort of about her and how her and luca are soulmates but for the majority of this season this has been she's basically been like just the odd personality. Like she's been Vivek at this point. Her and Vivek are basically the same character now because they're minor characters. Like Zoe fades in the background. Like the one episode um about um Anna getting hit. Like Zoe was in that, but it wasn't about her. You had you had Nomi, the character of Nomi and how the baby daddy 
tried to get back in her life and she had issues with it and all these different things. Bro, Zoe was an outlier. Like, was Zoe even in? I don't even remember Zoe in that episode. And that, was, that wasn't a bad episode. It was it was very different for Gwarnish's standards. Same thing with Aaron. Like, bro, Aaron has moved on. Aaron ain't thinking about Zoe until last week when, when, when Jack came. Aaron ain't thinking about Zoe. Ain't worried about Zoe at this point. Aaron's all over here taking a stand against Kyle Yu and flourishing, like Vivek said. I don't. I just don't know what what story you can tell in this next season. And I think what they're gonna do, they're going to make Marcus Marcus Grabber. They're gonna make him the SpongeBob slash Oscar Proud of Gronish. They are going to drag his character out. They're gonna have him doing so many outlandish things. I'm pretty sure they're bringing Sky back. He's gonna be in this never ended like assessment journey to get Sky's affection again. It's going to be so, oh, it's going to be so just aggravating because Junior's character to a point is already sort of aggravating. Now, now Junior's character has grown a bit, but his character is already sort of aggravating. And then y'all could have had a great show if y'all sent Junior to Howard. I feel like y'all could have done a grown-ish HBCU edition, a grown-ish Howard, like y'all do Love Me Up Pop. Like y'all could have did Junior at Howard, at least for an episode, where we could have seen what that would have looked like. So I guess y'all are going to send him to Cal U. Well, well, I took my gap year from Howard, so let me not go to the HBCU. Let me go to Cal U with Zoe. Or let, let me go to Cal U since Zoe's graduating, I guess. I Like, I just, I don't like Gronish because they're not trying anymore. Season two was the peak of Gronish because Gronish presented itself as like a teenage Blackish because Blackish at his best was always a compelling satire. Gronish tried their best to, to be that in talking about cancel culture talking about uh, title nine campus politics and talking about relationships in a different way like they're and talking about mental health in a different way like there it was a lot they tackled in season two that they not even broached that topic for real in season three the only time that they really broached it was when they had um javier and anna go to war over and it was really crazy what anna was mad over but they had to go to war over how Javier, Javier speaking to the police, and that was sort of crazy. Come like you're going off of him all over that. Like what the world? You know his sensibilities. Like what the world? Well, I thought it was insensitive. You spoke to the police when what our friends are going through. Like bro, like you're tripping right now. Like like you you are tripping. Like you're you're bringing up anything to attack this man. And then know me in the immigration situation when it's like you literally got like you were riding on a scooter, you got hit by a car, <laughs> like. He hit you with a car. He hit you with a car, man. Like, what the world? Like, and, and I get it, but it's like, y'all forced the immigration thing in there. Like, I, I get, let's talk about it, but y'all could have talked about it in a totally different way. Y'all could have did it totally different. Like, I, I didn't mind that episode, but I'm like, dude, it's season two. They would have tackled immigration a different way. I don't know if it's different writers or maybe Kenya's gone and Kenya was 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 the person that had the thought process behind this. And Kenya is sort of like, you know, dealing with Groners on the back burner. He's executive producing it, but he's focused on his shows on BET Plus and working with Viacom CBS. Maybe that's the case. But Gronish has gotten worse to a certain degree. Because they just jam pack, they jam Zoe into anything. And at this point, they should just let Yara just let let Yara go. Let's get Yara another show. Let let's 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 free her from being Zoe. Because Yara's too talented to play Zoe. Yara's too intelligent to play Zoe. Like Zoe is going nowhere fast. 
So I think just for the sake of the show, season five, let let Yara go overseas to some fashion internship or some fashion job overseas, take Luca with her, and then build the show around Marcus or around Junior, if you will, and then go from there. You can keep Vivek. You maybe could keep Aaron or something and just, just build the show around him and just give it a fresh start. And then maybe, maybe we can go a little bit longer with Gronish. They're not going to do that, though. And that's the reason why Gronish is going to continue to be bad. And those ratings numbers are going to continue to go down. And you want to know the reason why Gronish is still on? The reason why Gronish is still on is because although the ratings have plummeted even from season three, and we're at like, a, I, think, I think we were under 150,000 with, with, with some of the episode numbers. But you still those numbers considering are still high for that eighteen to thirty five demo that you're trying to attract. You're tr- tr- you're trying to attract eighteen to thirty five and eighteen to forty nine for advertising. So you're still commanding high ad rates in prime time for Gronish. I'm pretty sure you're still getting good good partnerships with brands. You're, and I, although I've not seen them interweave in a lot of partnerships within the promotion of Gronish this year, but. You're still selling the ad units high, number one. And then I'm pretty sure on Hulu, those Hulu numbers are still promising where people might not be watching, especially this generation and this audience. They might not watch it when it comes on at 10, but they watch it on Hulu. So clearly it's coming back because the Hulu numbers are high. Now they sell ad units still on the shows on Hulu. They still sell ads on those shows, but you're getting the bulk of your money through linear television. Because that's just, that's just a tried and true method of getting your message out there. But Gronish is, is at this point as a loss leader. You have these stars on the show. You got Diggy, you got Yara, you got Trevor. You have all these amazing actors and actresses. So it's a loss leader. And then it's still, I guess it's still sort of trends on, trends on Twitter a little bit. It's not as big as it used to be, but it sort of still trends on Twitter. And it's just like, they're so socially relevant. So I get as a network, as a business, would I cancel Gronish? If I'm thinking about it from a business perspective, let's say like Disney hired me to be over Freeform. Would I cancel Gronish? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because it's, it's still, it's not, it's not the hit that it was and the writing has gotten bad, but if you're still making money, you're still making money. But I looked at season the season five reboot like, bro, really? We're really doing this? We're really doing this. But Whatever, we'll see what season five does. And I, I might start back doing reviews of Gronish. I, I might, I don't know. But I'm gonna tell you about Gronish though. All American Homecoming is coming for Gronish. This might be Gronish's home going. I'll tell you that much. All American Homecoming is so much better than Gronish. It's a different style, it is. And normally your drama will typically beat your comedy, which is why I'm saying but not saying Bel Air like is better on my palate than the original Fresh Prince because I just think that with a drama you take a drama more seriously you can tackle more stories normally dramas are an hour long versus your typical your typical comedy being 30 minutes and really less than that with commercials but just the way that the characters are written you have you have adult characters that make sense and even the relationship saga that they're attacking in All-American Homecoming makes a bunch of sense. And then they, they have two different sports that you don't see normally get pressed. You see, you have Peyton, he's playing, I'm, I'm calling him by his real name. You have Peyton playing a baseball player. And you have the main character of this show, she plays tennis. 
And, and, and it's a lot of intrigue around her joining the tennis team. And it's sort of that same, you know, tug and pull of, hey, you have th this older character that's experienced that feels threatened, so she starts hating on the other character. But I just like the way that they're fleshing out that story and telling that story. And then they're interweaving in college within the show very well. Because the one thing I was worried about with All-American Homecoming is that, are you just saying this is an HBCU as a setting or is the show going to derive from the setting? And when I say that is the HBCU experience and that element, is that going to be a part of the story? And it is from the funding to the different things that's happening with the administration to the aspect of the tradition, even to the classroom scenes and how the professors are challenging their students and even how, how, how formal the, the professor the, the, the professor that one professor character that is prominent in the show and that is i think the honor of the main character i'm gonna get the character names right but that like how she acts is like that's very much giving hbcu professor like i care about you outside of class it, it's very much giving it like we're a family i love that aspect of, of all american homecoming Gronish lost that Gronish gave in to being a teenage soap opera and this is not what All-American Homecoming is. Now, granted, it can turn into it. And I hope that it doesn't. Because I think that with every show, especially in this age range, that, that appeals to this demographic, I believe that they always tilt towards making relationship drama. And it's okay to have a love triangle. It's okay to have relationship drama. It's okay to have your main character like one of the other characters. But don't make it the central point of the show where you kill and nullify all other storylines to make this the prominent story. That's my thing. I love what All-American is doing. And oh my gosh, Bel-Air is the best show out. Only Abbott Elementary is, is, is close to it. Abbott Elementary is the heir apparent to Blackish, And I think Bel-Air is, is the heir apparent to power. I'm telling you, is the heir apparent. Because Bel-Air... It's so great. It tackles issues in such a salient way. I think the young man playing Will is doing an amazing job. Jeffrey's my favorite character because Jeffrey get it done. Jeffrey's my favorite character because I started because Coco Jones tough too. But yo, Jeffrey gets the, gets it handled. He will figure out what's going on. Jeffrey about that action. All right. But Uncle Phil, I think we're we're finding out layers of Uncle Phil, and I want to see what Michael Ely does. Like Michael Ely always plays a shifty, cheating character. He only has never played a character that's like inherently evil and think like a man. But in Think Like a Man, he was a liar. Because <laughs> he lied about being a chef to, to, to impress to Rodney P. Henson's character. So he lied. <laughs> he was really he was really like like the like like the busboy in the back. Like he wasn't even ready to cook. Like, like he was he lied. I mean, but like I think Michael Ely deserves to get 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 get, get become a good character. I think that's what Michael Ely deserves at this point. But I think that he adds an interesting wrinkle and an interesting element. And I really can't wait to see what more Bel Air gives us. Um, it's a second season coming. Uh, Peacock ordered two 10 episode seasons. And I'm just, it's appointment viewing at this point. Like when it drops on Peacock, I wake up on Thursday morning and I watch it. Same, same way I do with, with, with um, the Proud family, but I'm actually enjoying the ride of Peacock. Maybe it's because I'm older. Maybe that's, what's, maybe that's what's, what's happening. Maybe I'm older. But, you know, I just think that as a reboot, Bel Air has its own ethos, but it does stay true to the premise of what, of what Fresh Prince was. And that's what I like about Bel Air. Bel Air is a better reflection of what a reboot can be 
than what Proud Family is. I think y'all should let Proud Family alone. But I digress. Enough of enough about me being on my soapbox about TV. That is it. Proud Family be better. Grown in season five, really. But we'll see if it gets better. And Bel Air and All American Homecoming keep doing you. And Abbott Elementary, well, we miss it. We miss us some Abbott Elementary. But nevertheless, this is Randall Barnes. Listen, make sure to follow me. Make sure to follow what I got going on because this we we, we gotta we gotta have the people. We gotta have the people that are over proud family. Hear what people that have resistance to the show have to say. And maybe season two will be better. Because they're gonna get a season two. But make sure to share this episode. This is the first time I ever said that. Share this episode with someone that you believe needs to hear this or that someone that might disagree with me. I would love to talk to someone that disagrees with me about Proud Family. But also follow Pulse Radio 100 on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram, and just Pulse Radio on YouTube. And I will see you on the other side.